Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, and we are live at the Missouri Athletic Club for Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. We're here. It's the, I don't know, is it the start of the 2018-19 season? I mean, maybe the start of that year happened in the summer when the freshmen showed up. Maybe the start of that happened at the beginning of the school year. Maybe it happens today at Media Day. Maybe it happens on September 25th when practices officially start. Maybe it's November 1st when the exhibition game is. Maybe it's November 6th when the first game of the year is. Maybe it's November 15th when the first Division One game of the year is. Maybe it's, you know, January 2nd when the first conference game of the year is. I don't know when the official start of the year is, but for my money, it's basketball season. Missouri Valley Conference Media Day, live here at the Missouri Athletic Club. Happy to be here. We've got a a jam-packed episode of interviews with, we've got uh, players from both the men's and women's basketball team here. We'll have Grace Hales and Meredith Hamlet from the women's basketball team. We've got Bakari Evelyn and Marcus Golder from the men's basketball team. Coaches Mary Evans and Matt Loddock are going to be on the program. And then we'll wrap it all up with an interview with the conference commissioner, Doug Elgin. Excited to be here. I've uh, been here for a couple hours now. It's really, really great to see everybody. There was a question originally as to whether or not I would be coming to Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. It's a five-hour drive each way. It's not easy. They've actually moved Media Day up a couple weeks. It used to be in October. And the reason why it was later was because all the preseason voting would happen and you'd get the projected order of finish and the preseason all-conference teams and And teams would be practicing for a couple weeks, and you'd kind of get the temperature of where they're at. I think coaches don't really like to interrupt their routine if they don't have to, and maybe that's just it worked out better to have it earlier, which is nice. Not a lot of big news coming out of today. You know, the only kind of big news story surrounding the Valley right now is the suspension of Malik Yarborough, the star from Illinois State, who had a uh, an incident occur that uh, you follow Jim Benson and uh, on Twitter, and he'll be able to tell you all about it. Uh, shout out to my guy Jim, who's sitting not too far from me right now. But Malik Yarborough situation, uh, Illinois State coach Dan Muller has talked at length today about whether or not um, you know w- the games are, are a big thing. He's suspended right now, Yarborough is, but, but what does that mean? They're not really sure. What happened? So again, I, I lead you all to Jim Benson and, and tell you that he would be the guy to to check out on that. So, in terms of big news today, that's maybe the only thing. There's still a lot of reminiscing going on about Loyola's run. Uh, Porter Mosier walking around here with a very clean white track jacket that says "Created by Cultures" stitched on the back. He's fr- he's got he kind of looks like like Kennedy in the 1960. Uh, television debate. He's really well tanned. He's just he's walking around like he owns the room because right now he does. It's interesting. There's, there's no shortage of big personalities in the valley. Uh, Barry Hinson, uh, Ben Jacobson, you know Muller, all these coaches, but they're all kind of secondary right now to Porter, who just took his team to the Final Four, and now we you know we flip the calendar and here we go. It, that that Final Four run is done. But Loyola is still, you know, they still kind of they grabbed a piece of a of a branch that no one was quite sure they could get, and we'll talk about that with 
with Bakari and with Marcus coming up and Coach Lodick and Doug Elgin specifically about what that meant. I had a chance to interview a handful of people today, interviews that you're not going to hear on the podcast just because I don't want the podcast to run too long. Or, you know, I talked to Brian Wardle from Bradley, the head coach, for a while, and, and uh, he's got really good things to say. And, and I think I'm going to use some of that stuff later on in the season. Also talked to Armand Fletcher, a, a player at Southern Illinois. The Salukis probably could be the preseason favorites to win. Again, we you know, if I'm voting today, you know, I, maybe Southern Illinois won. Loyola 2, Illinois State 3, just because I don't know Yarborough situation. I'd probably go Southern Illinois, Illinois State, then Loyola, and then uh, if Yarborough is, is there, and then Bradley probably 4, and then there's a whole mess of questions after that. But those are the top four in my mind. But I talked to Armand Fletcher. Uh, he's obviously going to be a huge, huge player this year for the Salukis, but he's best friends with, or very close friends with new Valpo player Dion Lavender. Dion, kind of an unknown, and I'll talk with uh, Marcus and Bakari about Dion as well as Coach Lodic. Try to figure out what what does maybe Valpo have in in this guy. You know, I can tell you that I have covered Valpo for a long time, and I've been around the program, and I've been around the program a little bit this summer, and I've I still have not met Dion at all, and uh, looking forward to that. And I, I talked to him on the phone once, but have never met him and have not seen him play. And uh, I know that everyone's very high on him. And he actually did play at Southern Illinois for a year. So that should be exciting. Uh, so the, a lot of interviews take place today. And, and I've done all the interviews already that you're about to hear. Um, you know, it's, so when I say that we're live, it means that I've edited the interviews. And now I'm going to play them in some sort of order for you. I'll say this. The one big takeaway that I have from Missouri Valley Conference Media Day, and, and I tweeted about this a little bit, was... Valpo is they've got a large contingent here. You know, they've got two players from each team, the coaches, athletic director, compliance director, two sports information directors, as well as um, a couple of other uh, administrators are here and and, and someone documenting video, the, the whole thing. There's a lot of people here from Valpo. And I feel like they're walking around today like they belong. And I say that because last year I didn't get that sense. And I was probably part of that last year, too. I didn't know what to expect at Valley Media Day. But kind of watching Matt Loddick and Tavon Walker last year and Tracy Doro and Danny Franklin, there was a lot of wide eyes. What's going on? What are they doing here? What is this all about? And they moved locations this year. So it's not like it was in the same spot and that familiarity means that everyone understands it. But but you saw Bakari and Marcus and Meredith and Grace walking around like this was their conference. This was their league. This wasn't new to them. They expected to be at an event like this. The coaches knew everybody. There wasn't any introducing or anything like that. Even Coach Evans, first year with the program, walking around very confident. And I, I just I don't know that Valpo was shell-shocked going into the Valley. Uh, you'll hear Doug Elgin later on will say that Valpo was punched in the mouth in, in terms of men's basketball, which, in fact, they were. And you'll hear from Bakari and Marcus talking about what it was like to go through a summer with the moniker of being a last-place team. But I, I saw a team, and I saw a group, not really a team, but I saw a group of individuals today, or a collective group of Valpo representatives, who looked the valley part. I don't know how that equates to anything, and I'm probably overstating a very simple something, but it just it felt different. 
And again, I don't know that that being uncomfortable or comfortable at media day is going to mean you're going to win or lose a game. It just felt different. There's a there was more of a this is not too big for us kind of thing. And and we'll see if that means anything. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I want to jump into uh, to some interviews right now. And I know that typically on this podcast, we deal with the men's basketball program and that we do that largely because that's what the viewers, the listeners are, are constantly talking about. But, you know, I am the Valparaiso beat reporter and I do cover both sides and the women's basketball team, while it has been down for the last several years, you feel like it's it's turning the corner a little bit. I felt this way the same way with the football program and the football program got the right coach in place, got the right, you know, got what they needed to go. And, and now you feel the football program is, is right there. Women's basketball team won 13 games last year in Tracy Doro's uh, final year. Now, Doro left the, the program before the season was over and Justin Reese took over. Um, but in, in that sense, Valpo won 13 games last year and What's really kind of fascinating to me is that then a new coaching staff came in. All of the assistants left. The head coach was let go. And a brand new coaching staff came in. And not one player transferred away from the program. And I talk about that with our first two guests on the podcast, Meredith Hamlet and Grace Hales. Did you see your first trip to Missouri Valley Conference Media Day? What's been the impression so far here at 9 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> so far, so good. I think the the atmosphere is just really cool, seeing all the athletes here and just all the media and just everyone that you've played against. I think it's just really cool and an awesome opportunity to be here. Yeah, I think this is a great experience. It's really cool seeing everybody in one place, all the coaches and all the players. And, I mean, they have, like, a player's, like, lounge where we can all mingle together. I think that's pretty cool. Does the uh – do the mentality psych games start right now, you know, in terms of uh, going up against players and everything, or is, is, does that wait for the court? I think I think in the back of your mind you're always like, oh, like, I remember her. Like, oh, we did this against this team, or they did that against us. So I think maybe a little bit inside, but your outside game, not necessarily until on the court. Uh, I w- want to start with you, Grace. Um, third year in the program, new coach this year. Nobody on your team left. Uh, people transfer all the time. What does that say to Valpo women's basketball, to the program, to your teammates, to, to everything you guys have built over the last couple of years that nobody left when the coaching staff turned over? Um, yeah, I think we noticed that as well, too. But we're a really tight group. And I think especially um, when our new coach came in and she was really big about um, getting to know all of us and making new connections. And I think everybody was just really excited about that. And um, we just do all want to grow together and we all want to become better. So I think that is a big a big thing. I mean, we're all here and we're all ready to get better again. Grace, you have two years left in your situation, but Meredith, this is a little bit different for you. You have a new coach coming in. You have one year with her. I guess what uh, is there pressure to 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 jump on board right away, or kind of how do you how do you look at this? Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily pressure. Uh, it's really an awesome opportunity just to have the three years with someone, then a new year with someone else. I th- I take it as like opportunity because. Not a lot of people get that, and you can look at it it as a negative or a positive, but I feel like you do in order to move on and move on in a successful way with a program and as a senior, like a leader, and just being a part of the team. um, I think it just helps everybody kind of move on too because I think that we have a really cool opportunity to be super successful this year. Meredith, what was your role when when a new coach comes in as a senior, as one of the the two or three seniors? Hannah is 
a senior, but a junior. Uh, but what, what what was your role? It was was it keeping the the players together? Where, where, when does that leadership kind of come out? I mean, I think it comes out like right when you know that hey, like we're looking for a new coach because everyone kind of you know everyone has different thoughts in their head and you know things kind of could get crazy, but they didn't, which was really cool because I think that's just the tight knit group that we have over the past well three and a half years, four years since I've been here. Um, so I think that, that leadership comes out just kind of gathering everyone together and being like, hey, like we got this, like nothing changed. We just have a really cool opportunity to do something that we maybe never thought we could before. So, Last year I sat here with Danny Franklin and we talked about what is the Valley going to be like and Danny and I looked at each other and said, we have no idea. Uh, Meredith, you played two years in the Horizon League and then last year in the Valley. What were the big differences? I think the, I don't It's that's tough because I feel like they're very similar, but I think the biggest difference I noticed probably was just like the the play is equal but the play is different if that makes sense so in, like in the horizon league it was more of like up and down game but I feel like for the Missouri Valley like it's just like more like plays and like hey like we're gonna break you down run the shot clock down and I kind of felt like that was kind of more so how it was in the valley the horizon league was just more of like a kind of up and down game but like they're both very equal play as in like talent so Grace, for you then in that situation, as a matter of both of you are, are good three-point shooters, but does that uh, does that play more to your game a little bit then? Yeah, I mean a little bit. Um, last year I noticed that. I don't know if that was because of the conference change or if it was just me like growing as a player, being able to get off more three-point shots, making more three-point shots. So honestly, I don't know which one that was, but um, I agree with Marin what she said. and yeah. So Danny's first couple of years as a player at Valpo, she came off the bench a lot and was and but played starters minutes. You were kind of in that role last year. Mm-hmm. I think you you started maybe one game, but you played yeah. 22 minutes a game or whatever. Um, does it matter, you know, starting, not starting, and just do, do you like to settle in to watch the game a little bit? Or um, for me personally, it wasn't really about. Um, what because I mean I had conversations with coach about like what I liked and stuff but it was basically just what the team needs and I will do whatever the team needs and I feel like people know that about me Um, if you need me to start I'll do that if you need me to come off the bench and in that circumstance um, they needed me to come off the bench and be a scorer coming off the bench and I was fine with that and I took that in as my role and was like if this is what the team needs I'm going to be the best at it so that's what I really like to do. I think uh, everyone that follows Valpo women's basketball would know that you two are, are players to watch out for. But I'm going to ask each of you, Grace, first, who is one player that you've seen in workouts so far that's really kind of stepped up their game and, and someone that you're excited to see? Um, I could say that about a lot of people, I think. Um, I think that Maya, she had a good year last year compared to her freshman year. And I think that every year she's going to continue to grow. I mean, she's one of my really close friends in my class, but I think that her awareness on the court has just been growing every year. So I feel like she's one of the people that you can kind of expect to be more of a leader every single year. So I'm excited for that. Junior, who was, I think at times, the third string point guard last year and then Mm -hmm. set the program record for single game and assists. That was, I think you guys were the beneficiary of a lot of those shots (laughs) in that game. Uh, Meredith, let me ask you, who's uh, maybe one player that's really kind of stood out to you a little bit? Yeah, so I know, like, this person had, like, injuries throughout the year but was starter but wasn't sure sometimes if she was going to play a whole lot just because of her foot and that's Caitlin Morrison and I just think with her size and her length I thought that towards the end of the year I thought that really came out and I thought she grew as a player towards the end of the year and I think it's just exciting to see with someone who's so athletic in a build like that to see like what they can do so I'm really interested to see like kind of what she can produce this year because I think it will be really good for uh, herself and just for our team in general. Final question, always a tricky one. 
the program has, you know, been showing increments of improvement over the last several years. What does success look like for the Valpo women's basketball team in 2018-19? To me, I think the success for the 2018-19 season would be as long as we're getting better as a team every single day, I think you can kind of, you know, like take your socks and shoes off and, like, um, at the end of the day, knowing that, hey, like, we did everything we could under our power, like, each practice every day in and day out, and then you just enjoy the rest of the day, and then you get back at it the next day. So I think measure of success, like, isn't about necessarily, like, who you think you're going to be before the season, but I think it's like, hey, like, we did everything we could in our power every day in practice to get better each day. So I think that would be a true measure of success until, like, the season starts. Grace, you have any way that you measure success? Um, I actually agree with what Mayor said, and I mean, our coach tells us that almost after every practice. Like, if we had a really good practice, she'll be like, I, we got better today. And so she's really kind of drilling that in on us and knowing that we need to get better every day. We can't just go through the motions. And that's not just games, too. It's practices. And, you know, we're practicing to play games. So every day at practice, we need to get a little bit better because then by the time we're in the tournament, you know, it'll be it'll be great. Meredith Hamlet and Grace Hales from the Valpo women's basketball team live from the Missouri Athletic Club. Thanks a lot. Joined now by first-year Valparaiso women's basketball coach Mary Evans. Coach, uh, you know, the last time that we really sat down and had a big interview was right after you got hired. It's, you know, you're talking about the opportunity and the whirlwind and all of that. What's what's changed in your life in the last four months, I think? Has it been four months? It feels like maybe you've been here for a year or two already. Yeah, it feels a lot. We've been here for a lot longer, but it has only been four or five months. I think... You know, the biggest thing that uh, we have, we've gotten to is that we have everybody here now. We're starting to get everybody healthy um, on our team, so we've got everybody practicing, which wasn't the case all summer long. So I think, you know, finally having my whole staff here and having our support staff all together, um, we're starting to feel like we're starting to kind of come together and, and we're able to now make some progress in, in getting better um, every day. And then personally, I finally got my family here, which is huge. How, how, how tough is that to be diving in probably headfirst into a new job and and wondering how the kids are doing and all of that in, in, in the in the background? Um, it's definitely hard, but I will say that FaceTime is an amazing thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and so being able to have those conversations a couple times a day with the kids and with my husband um, was really, really helpful. And then, you know, just having a really supportive husband and a supportive family um, that helped him through that process because he basically turned into a single father there for two and a half months. And, and we had a lot of good support from our family that kind of helped us through that transition. And now having them all here has been fantastic. They've really enjoyed Valparaiso and are kind of falling in love with the community and, and kind of finding their niche. So that's been very, very nice. Um, we'll get into basketball in a second, but let me ask you, because you're, you're in new into Valpo, um, is there a favorite spot that you found, favorite restaurant, favorite thing that you like to do in town? I love Wings, so actually Wings, etc. has okay. been kind of our yeah. spot. Um, and then a lot of places downtown. Really enjoyed um, Stacks when you can get in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of the tough part. And Ricochet has been kind of a, another spot that I've really great, liked. Great places. Uh, one of the things I was struck by, and I, I talked to this with the players earlier, but you take over the program, and in, in this day and age of college basketball, people transfer left and right programs disintegrate you know we've got any number of valley teams here that have got new coaches who have got a hello name tag for all of the players that are coming in and everybody stayed and i think that's that's a special thing how did that happen how, how did you how did you get this this group of women to kind of stay collectively bought in with each other and then buy in for you i think it's a testament to the culture that they had built here um our players are very very tight 
Um, and I think they've done a great job staying together. Um, and so for me, it was kind of coming in and figuring out how not to mess that up um, and how to transition what their culture was in the past to trying to add now kind of a little bit more competitiveness to practice and some of those things. But from off the court stuff, they, um, they really care about each other. And I think Valpo is a very unique school. And I think um, the relationships that they have with their professors, their support staff, the administration, um, they all do a fantastic job of creating a real culture of community. And so I think it's harder for kids to leave Valpo than maybe other schools because of all the stuff that our administration, our professors, um, and our support staff do to make them feel at home. There's been a couple of coaches and changes in Valpo recently. Matt Loddick took over a couple of years ago, but what was different there was he was an assistant. He knew all the players. What's the challenge of coming in and, and with maybe players like Meredith or Grace, who are upperclassmen who have been through the ringer of college basketball a little bit? How do you need to uh, learn to trust them and for them to trust you? And, and how does that process, how long does it take? Does it still unfold? Yes, it is still unfolding, and I think it will. Um, I think that's a long process, and I think it's just it's relationship building, and that's what this game is about, whether it's recruiting um, or it's building relationships with your administration or it's building relationship with your players. Um, I think that's the most important thing um, when you take over a program is to come in and focus on building those relationships with the players and not just the relationship on the court, but getting to know them as people, getting to know what their aspirations and their dreams are, and so you can figure out how to help them. Uh, reach their goals, whether it's on the court or it's in the classroom or it's what they want to do in their future endeavors. And so that's been the main focus of myself and my staff. And we might be behind in some basketball areas, but we're really focused on trying to build those relationships because the sooner we can build that trust with each other, the sooner we'll win basketball games because they will trust my staff and I's plan. And we've talked about a lot of abstract ideas, but let's talk about basketball for a second. What kind of team is a Mary Evans coach team? Are you, are you zone? Are you man to man? Are you <laughs> let's let's run and gun and score ninety? Or you know how 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 do you uh, how do you go in between the lines? Um, I think we're going to try to play as fast as we can without turning the basketball over. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about valuing possessions, um, and the more possessions that we can get shots on, the better chance we have to win because we're limiting turnovers. But I think that's been a big um, change for the players is is that when we do practice and we're in transition, like let's if we have an open three in transition, we're going to take the shot because we want to take the highest percentage shot we can get. And that doesn't always happen at the end of the shot clock. That could happen in the middle. It could happen at the beginning. Um, so I think it's going to be a fun style of play. It's going to be a lot of free thinking. It's going to be a lot of teaching concepts to our players and letting them um, play and then talking to them about what maybe could have been better or, or why that was good or why that wasn't good. Um, and then defensively, we're going to get up and try to try to have a little bit more of a pressure to our, to our defensive system and try to make some plays. And, and again, I think basketball comes down to taking higher percentage shots and limiting higher percentage shots from your, from your opponents and then valuing the basketball. So that's what we've been talking about most of the summer. For the Valpo fans that are, that are listening to the podcast but haven't paid attention to social media quite they might miss out a, a really nice thing motivational Mondays with Mary <laughs> I think uh, what uh, just how do you I guess how do you use social media you're on a lot and um, but also just what, uh, what what talk about some of the powerful words that you share with your team and everything each week yeah we try to use that not only to really kind of back a message that we're trying to get through to our team um, and I think that you have to be open now as a coach of, of connecting with your players on their platforms. 
um, and social media is one of them. And it's not something that I grew up with. It's not something that I am having to learn. I'm very fortunate to have a fantastic assistant coaches that understand it way better than I do. Um, but we've tried to implement that so that we can kind of continue to spread whatever the message is in that week. And, you know, I think I'm a pretty positive person, and I think that we all should be very grateful for the things and the opportunities that we have. Um, so a lot of those messages have been about that and have been about, you know, just enjoying the process, enjoying every day, and being thankful that we have the opportunity to be where we're at instead of always looking for something bigger and better. I look forward to Mondays every week <laughs> because they're, they're great messages. They are. Uh, I want to ask um, quickly, you know, you built a staff from, I think, uh, would you bring somebody from from Ohio with you? I did. Yeah. But what were you looking for? And kind of if you can maybe in a, in a sentence or two about each one of your assistant coaches, what do they bring to the table? Um, I think I have a fantastic staff and support staff. Um, from our director of ops to our GA, like just fantastic people. And I think that was my number one goal was to have just hire really good people um, that are hardworking and that are caring people. Um, I'm really excited. I've known Mary Gleason for 19 years. She's got a tremendous amount of experience um, as an assistant coach in the Ivy Leagues to a head coach down in Houston um, to the high school level. So to have her, I think she really understands the ac academic component of Alparaiso. Um, and the type of student-athletes that we're going to deal with as we move forward in recruiting and the rigors of, of high-achieving kids. Like, kids that are high achievers are a lot harder on themselves, and she's had to deal with that in the Ivy League, and so I think she can kind of help me navigate through yeah. some of the things that our players go through that maybe I don't understand because I have not worked at um, a really high-achieving university. Um, Gabby Johnson... Um, I met five years ago through some mutual friends. I have a lot of respect for the coaches that she's worked for and played for. And she, again, brings a lot of head, uh, head coaching experience at the Division Three level in Chicago. And Division Three coaches work harder than anybody else. So her ability to recruit and know a lot of people in the Chicago, Northwest, Indiana, and even down to Indianapolis where she's from, um, those coaches really work hard. They, they, they're in gyms all the time. They know people. And so she's done a fantastic job with that. And then I brought Taisha Moss with me from Ohio, and Taisha is amazing. She's just a really great person. She's a great skill developer, um, a good tactician on the court and in X's and O's and in developing players um, on the court and off the court. And so I think that she brings a really high level of energy to what she does every day. Final question for you here. We're about seven weeks away from the season opener. Uh, this will be your first year as a head coach. Um, is there is there a little bit of uh, of nerves? Of I, I can remember the first time I ever walked into my, a college classroom when I was 19, and I thought, "Can I do this?" Am I, you know, like is there is there uh, there's all the planning you can do, but you just got to go do it. Is, is it fun? Is it exciting? Is it nervous? What uh, what all, hits you? <laughs> it's all of those things. <clears throat> you know, I think it's it's a situation where I have not ever coached in a game, other than you know, if you want to count a 12 year old AAU tournament that I coached <laughs> in once. Uh, but I think it, there is a level of excitement, and I, I'm prepared. I've done the work. I've, I've studied the coaches that I've, I've worked for, and I've studied other coaches and how they handle themselves. And I think you know, the biggest piece of advice I've gotten is I just have to be myself. And I understand I'm going to make mistakes, and I tell the players that. I'm like, I'm gonna, you're going to make mistakes on the court. I'm going to make mistakes. We're both going to learn from them, and we're going to get better every single day. And so you know, I think having a couple of people on our staff that are head coaches that I can kind of lean on that have been in those situations have gonna, is going to be huge. 
Um, but I'm really excited for it. Uh, you know, you're always, as an assistant, you have to sit there. You don't get to talk to the officials. You don't get to do a lot of those things. And so there's, there is a, a, a big level of excitement in having the opportunity to kind of finally do it my way. Very good. Coach Mary Evans, Valparaiso Women's Basketball, live from the Missouri Athletic Club. Thank you very much. Just some really excellent thoughts there from Coach Evans and then previously from the players, Meredith Hamlet and Grace Hales. A real pleasure to interview all three of them. And and uh, I really, you know, I like Coach Evans. I, I like the the authenticity in which she spoke at the end there, this idea about, you know, I've, I get to be a head coach now. And when you're an assistant, things are a little bit different. And it'll be interesting to watch them uh, and kind of go through and see what what happens for the women's basketball program. Their season opener at UIC on November 7th, Wednesday. Their home opener Sunday, November 11th against North Dakota. Then they're on the road, you know, for a few games. They play at home against Toledo. They play five of six games in December at home. And uh, in Eastern Illinois, Miami of Ohio, North Dakota State, Bowling Green among those games. And, and then they start conference play on January 6th against Loyola at Loyola. And uh, their home opener in conference isn't until January 18th they host Indiana State. So Valpo Women's Basketball Program, I think, uh, will we'll see a good benefit this year. She talked about, you know, they want to value the ball, but they want to get up and down. They want to shoot. They're, they're going to be fun to watch, I think. And, and they've got some really good returning players, and they brought everybody back. As for the men's basketball program, lose Martin Linson. Um, you know, you graduate Max Joseph, Tavon Walker. Uh, so that was, you know, some personnel blows that you have there. But there is a lot of newcomers that are on the program as well. And, you know, Parker Hazen, excuse me, also lost Parker Hazen from the team. And Stephen Helm was uh, is going on his mission. But you bring in Javon Freeman, you bring in Dion Lavender, Daniel Sackey, Langston Stalling, uh, and then you bring in Ryan Fizikas, who transferred in, and then you've got Aaron Gordon and Nick Robinson. What it's like to bring in these transfers, what it's like to have Fizikas, and, and then the younger players, it's going to just add more depth. And we're going to start off here listening to this kind of a fun, uh, a fun interview with Bakari and Marcus. And we, we kind of cover a whole gamut of things, you know, kind of a lighthearted interview. These guys were having a lot of fun at Media Day. But some of the fun questions we have in there with Bakari is, is where do you foresee yourself playing now that you've got these other point guards on there? And then Marcus talking about Ryan Fizikas and what he's going to bring to the table and they both touch on what Aaron Gordon and Nick Robinson, who are going to be sitting out this year, what they can bring to the table as well. So we've got Bakari Evelyn and Marcus Golder, and then you'll hear from Coach Matt Lottick. Back here at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day, joined by two players of the Valpo men's basketball team, Marcus Golder and Bakari. And Bakari, I'm going to start because I don't want to say your last name because I've heard your last name said three different ways today. Can you, for once and for all, please set the record straight. How do you pronounce your last name? I got you. It's um, Evelyn. Evelyn. Okay. Evelyn. Yep. Does it bother you when people say Evelyn? Yes, just because it bothers my granddad. So okay. Because it bothers him, I make people say Evelyn. Okay. Okay. So I'm pro I think Bakari is one of the coolest names out there, so I almost always just call you Bakari. Um, but, uh, again, it's funny because, uh, you know, the – the PA announcers get it wrong at every arena that you guys go to, no. and uh, I just I think that's interesting. Um, a year ago, when Valpa was on, you know, joining the Valley, 
Marcus, no one had, no one knew what to expect from you. Bakari, you were new to it. What, what has changed for you guys in the last year to go from newcomers to the team to now kind of being the guys that are representing the team here at this event? Uh, I think for me personally, it was just getting that experience um, out the way. Um, I feel like the first year is more of a developmental year um, for myself. I'll, I can't speak for BK, but now that I know what to expect going into the second year, I feel like both of us and the rest of our team should be um, pretty prepared and um, pretty prepared and win some games. Bakari, for you, you sat out the year uh, and, and, and saw the transition over into the Valley. You committed to a Horizon League school. You're playing in a Valley school. You played at a Big Ten school. Does any of that stuff matter? Um, not really. Um, not so. I mean, not really. I mean, I'm liking the fact that we're in the Valley. It's a great conference, and it's very competitive day in and day out. Um, but it's, you know, it's all basketball at the end of the day. Loyola went to the Final Four from this conference. You guys played Loyola twice last year. I know that neither game went your way. That game at Loyola was, I mean, final couple possessions was right there. When you see a team like Loyola make a run and go, does it, can you say, why not us? I yeah. mean, you guys feel like you can go, and, and I'm not trying to say Bakari says they're going to the Final Four this year, but, like, is that – do you get do you get uh, some uh, inspiration out of seeing what they did last year? I mean, I think the goal for every team in the country is to go to the national championship. And, I'm sure, there may be a higher percentage of different teams getting there, but Loyola definitely showed last year that if you just stick with, you know, who's in front of you and beat your competition and get better each and every day, you can end up in the Final Four just like a team from the ACC or the Big Ten. So Very good. Marcus, I want to talk about the dunking because you're really good at it. How do, do you practice this often? I mean, do you when you get the ball in your hand in an open court, is there already a playlist in your mind of how you're going to throw down a dunk? Uh, I won't say there's necessarily playlists and practicing. It's hard. Like when I practice dunks, it's just a lot of um, just for fun. Um, but in-game dunks, I don't, I don't practice that much. I mean, there's nothing like. Um, just catching the ball and just going up and dunking on somebody. It's it's hard to practice that because um, not a lot of people like to get dunked on. So um, in that regard, I guess I just get it with my mind on one thing, and that's dunking it. You know, we talked about this in the uh, – we, we, this today is kind of like a weird thing. We had like an open media session with a bunch of other reporters, and now we're sitting here. Bakari asked you guys a question about finishing in last place last year, and you said you don't – you don't forget it, but you don't think about it all the time. But but, just kind of take me to back to that answer a little bit and your thoughts of like, how do you move beyond that kind of we finished in last place? Um, I think, like Marcus said, it was like a learning year for a lot of us. So we don't wear it too heavy on our shoulders. Um, and we know the mistakes in a lot of games that we should have actually won came down, like you said, to Loyola. Um, to the last couple possessions we just made a few mistakes here or there and if the ball bounces our way here or there we win those games um, and maybe we don't finish in last so knowing that and just knowing how we've worked and grown through this summer um, you just you're excited for this year um, but we don't harp too much on the past because we know we're better than them. I know that these two guys aren't going to be playing alongside you in the games this year but you guys have both Marcus, you at Juco, you at Valpo have sat out a year, and now you've got Nick and you've got Aaron who are here, who are sitting out. You know, Coach was just talking about earlier about how you guys would treat practices like games. These are guys are going to do that to you. What what do you want to see from them, or how, how what have you seen from them so far in this uh, their sitting out process? 
Um, I just seen them compete every day, um, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's um, on the court, drills, um, up and down. They just compete every day, and they definitely challenge and um, I'm sure they're measuring themselves with, with the rest of the guys on the team, of you know, who they're beating out and who they're fighting for. So um, it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah. It's definitely nice to have transfers, too, who have already had the D1 experience. Um, so Aaron come from Scene Hall and uh, Nick coming from St. Joe's. It's, it's just nice to have them in practice every day and competing with us. And what have you guys seen from Dion so far? Uh, We've we seen a lot from Dion. We've seen a consistent point guard, somebody who doesn't turn the ball over and can make plays um, either individually or uh, collectively. Um, so he's been nice to have. Bakari, here's a tough question for you. you uh, you're good with the ball in your hand. You're good with the ball not in your hand. What, you've got Dion, who's a high assist, low turnover guy. You've got Saki, who's going to come in, and, and I think he's a point guard too. And what, Where do you envision playing on the floor this year? Um, first, I love that we got so many guys that can handle the ball and take, you know, bring it up the floor and make plays and opportunities for other people. Um, and I think I'll, just be, I'll be all over. I think um, with additions like Dion, Javon, Saki, um, I think it just allows me to be able to be on the ball when I am and to be off the ball and just to give defenses a different look. I think that'll be real hard for other teams to scout, just trying to keep track of where everybody is all the day. Obviously, you two guys are going to have a lot of expectations on you this year. Let me ask this question. Who's maybe one guy on the team that you've seen in, in practices, maybe someone who's shown you guys something here in the last couple weeks or over the summer or whatever that you think has taken a big step up from, from last year or, or, or coming in from the beginning of the year? Um, for me, I would say Malik. I say Leek's been working pretty hard, and um, he's been practicing real good, you know, since um, the summer, and it's translated into now. So Malik's been good for me. Uh, I would say Ryan Fazekas. Um, I mean, he wasn't with us last year, but what that, uh, how he shoots the ball, like in practice and in drills, is just incredible. So it'll be nice to have him. You guys are hanging out at Valley Media Day today. There's other players from other teams here. Do the mind games start now? Are you? Uh, I mean, I saw ping pong down there. I saw Papa shot and stuff like that. Is you guys are competitors with each other and with them? Do, is it? Is it a mutual respect or is it kind of like I'm gonna see whatever I can find to get an edge on any of these guys? No, nah, we're off the court, so um, as of now, it's just mutual respect for everybody else. But uh, I think when the lights come on and the games start, I don't think there's. I think that mutual respect goes away a little bit, so we'll be ready to compete when it's on. I asked Coach Evans this of the women's basketball team earlier. This is away from basketball. Valpo, the food options in Valpo have blown up considerably over the last five years or so. Where do you guys like to go grab food and you know after a game or something like that? You say Firehouse? I'll, I'll say Firehouse or Panda, my two favorite spots. I'm going, uh, I like Pestos. I love okay. Pestos. And then um, shoes, shoes, uh, shoes, pieces, and wings. Very good, very shoe good. Okay, final question. Uh, Marcus, I'll start with you. What does success look like for the Valpo basketball team this year? Success looks like holding a trophy up at the end of March and then heading into um, heading into the tournament. Um, but we want to take it step by step. Let's um, we want win conference and then focus on everything else after that. But main priority right now is for us fin um, finishing first in conference. Bakari, what does success look like for the Valpo Crusaders? 
Yeah, I have to agree with Marcus. It's definitely holding that um, Missouri Valley trophy um, at the end of the season. And that that is definitely the goal for us all heading into this year. Very good. Marcus Golder and BK, Bakari Evelyn, Yo. happy to have you guys here. Thank you very much for Thank joining. Thank you. All right, we're joined now here at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day with Valparaiso men's basketball coach Matt Loddick. Coach, second year in the Valley. What do you know today that you didn't know a year ago? What hotels to stay in? <laughs> that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. You, 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 you join a league that sends a team to the Final Four. It's got a bunch of talented teams. Mm -hmm. And what is the challenge that you have, you know, standing on the, the, the doorstep of this upcoming season? You know, I, I guess – you know, we always look at the challenges internal. You know, how do we, you know, get better? You know, how do we get our guys better? And, you know, if you, you know, followed our team closely last year, especially, um, you know, in Valley play, I mean, there weren't a lot of lopsided losses, right? We won six games, and I think the seventh place team won seven, you know, so we weren't very far off. And, you know, we went to a Final Four team's home gym and, and played them tough for the entire game. So, um, you know, we like – um, the talent in the program, um, we like what we're adding, um, and we've had a really good off season. And um, the reality is, is you know, I've, I've, I've said it before, but we we have motivated young men that want to be good, and um, you know, you you combine that with um, you know, you know, strong leadership. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be a ton of improvement, and we're really looking forward to this upcoming year. Not every, I mean, every guy that's putting on a Valpo uniform here has played every minute of their Valpo career for you this is I mean it's your team it's been you know it's your mm. guys whatever you've built this um did the pieces feel like you've got the right pieces in place right now or or maybe they felt that way the past couple of years as well but I mean just how how do you you're looking at the structure of guys like Bakari guys like Marcus guys like Malik these guys that you've brought in here and how do you how do you move them around the board now you know for us I mean uh to answer your question, I guess just yes. You know, I think that, that we do have a lot of pieces. I thought um, last year, you know, because of our youth, maybe there there, there lacked a little depth, um, and kind of the way that we you know built our program, we built it for the Horizon League. In a lot of ways, you know, in the Valley, it's it's really well scouted, and, and you got hit outside shots in the Valley, and that was you know, the thing that we didn't do great last year. Um, but we are adding a lot of um, you know scoring and shooting, um, and you know the guys that we've had and the nine freshmen and sophomores last year. I mean now. Those guys are a year older, um, and so they're a little, you're more experienced. Um, they've been through a conference season, and um, so again, it's it's part of the process. You know, was was year one a little disappointing? I mean, maybe. You know, we took our lumps, and um, you know, we had our adversity. Um, you know, this year I think we're we're deeper, um, we're motivated, and we're older, and so I, I like our chances. It seems wherever I go, people have got an idea of what the X factor of this upcoming team may be, whether it's the emergence of either Jay or Derek or both or one of them, whether it's uh, one of the freshman point guards you know, or one of these freshman guards to be able to do something, whether it's Bakari or Marcus taking the next step or, or whatever. Is is there a maybe, – maybe that's too easy to ask or too simple to ask a singular X factor, but I guess what what do you want to see from, from some of those kind of different things? I mean, I want to see all those things. You know, I want to see everyone take positive steps forward, um, and I think they have. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's, it's again, 
you know, you know, trust in the process of, of getting better every single day, um, individually and collectively. And I can tell you as individuals, they've gotten better. I can tell you as a team, um, they bought into one another more. Um, and, and so, yeah, do we have, you know, a tough schedule coming up? Yeah. Um, are we in a tough conference? Yeah. Those things aren't changing. And, and, you know, we embrace challenges and are excited for them. And, and the guys have put in the work to, um, you know, to, 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 to take positive steps forward. An unknown is Dion Lavender. Mm-hmm. Where, what, what do you, what kind of role do you anticipate him having this season? You know, I, you know, I don't think it was a surprise that you know we wanted to target and get a senior. You know, we have one senior on our roster, and he wasn't on our team last year. Um, Dion well, is 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 going to have a nice role, and and Dion um, is a is a big athletic guard um, that is a high assist guy, low turnover. Um, you know, he has had Valley experience. He was a, you know a, a great his freshman year in the Valley. He's excited to be back in the Valley, um, and has been a very good addition to our team. Does, what does a guy like Dion? How can he help a Daniel Sackey or a Javon Freeman Liberty? Well, I just think you know, with freshmen, there can be moments where they're going to be great, and there can be moments when they're not. And um, you know, with seniors or with experience, you know, you've been through it before. You kind of understand how to avoid maybe those peaks and valleys that you can be consistent. And I think um, the one thing that we're going to find is 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 Dion is consistent and. Again, all this stuff, we've just added a lot of depth. We have a lot of um, players that can come in and contribute. The schedule is uh, is very tough away from home. Mm-hmm. And at home, it, you know, the, I mean, obviously every game is, is going to be a challenge. But um, what what stands out to you about uh, when you look at the at the, the schedule, you know, West Virginia, Myrtle Beach, all of that? Um, what, what games are have got you amped up? Well, they all do. You know, there's not... Um, any game, I guess, that's you know, more important than the others. Yeah. They've all got us amped up. I think what um, you know, maybe a, people that follow us or, or maybe a common basketball fan just does not understand how difficult scheduling is, um, and especially doesn't understand it, how difficult it is at a at a mid-major school that's had a lot of success and a mid-major conference that's had a lot of success. And so I know that there's been some concern about oh, we got to get better home games, better home games. Well, guess what? that's not easy to do and and we try um and so um, we're excited about our schedule um, we've tried to put together a schedule that could you know be a potential at large bid team and i think we've done that and and so it's you know i mean it's not the the thing that we work on the most but it's up there i mean we work a lot on scheduling we have a lot of conversations um and and the reality of the nature of it is it's just a tough nature to schedule um you know really really good home games now um the the criticism that people have is that oh they, oh yeah okay they've got a they've got a game but it's during a break or something like mm-hmm. that the valley games you guys don't I mean those are told to you right correct yeah we have we have I mean we have some input but but the, the conference puts those out yeah so uh, and obviously the tougher your conference is probably changes a little bit of how a non conference is scheduled is that a fair way to look at it I mean yes and no I don't, I hope not right you know for us um, again I mean we can operate out of fear, right? Or, or we can try to better the program and get it to, to places that it hasn't been. And, and I want to get it to places it hasn't been. And to do that, we have to schedule teams that, um, you know, have aspirations of winning games in NCAA. Our goal is not to, to be in the NCAA tournament. It's to win games and, and make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And again, in order to do that, we have to schedule teams that, are, that have those same aspirations. You've got a couple of new coaches on your staff this mm-hmm. year, and uh, the return of Matt Bowen. Yep. Um, you know, first of all, talk, talk about Matt. What what led him back to you, and, and 
did you just have you known him over the years or you just get to know him now and well obviously we've had you know luke gore has been you know a consistent member of the staff for a long long time and, and luke and matt worked together so um, that was the connection there um and so you know with the new members you know coach holloway uh, coach townsend obviously i think that you've written a story about my relationship with with coach townsend and um and so you know for i've tried to hire him a couple times yeah. um and it just hasn't worked out you know based on his family but this time it did work out and so excited to to work with someone that i can trust um someone that i know and that knows me um coach holloway was introduced to me from you know former assistant with um, emmanuel dildy and i know coach dildy was only here a year um but he obviously did a very good job when he was here and so um you know coach holloway has been a fantastic addition and really excited and, and coach bowen is um we just call him an old ball coach i mean he's he's coached with a lot of a lot of great coaches um and has had some success himself and um he's been a great addition for me um and the entire staff uh, one of my final questions here, and this is a it's an odd one. I think about your your two years as head coach, and mm-hmm. the first year was Jabril's gone, Alec gets hurt. Mm-hmm. The second year, Joe's gone. New, it's mm-hmm. been it's been hurdle after hurdle. Um, there's going to be a hurdle this year. You don't know what the hurdle mm-hmm. is going to be, but is, is it really about just putting yourself in position to make sure that you can clear those hurdles easier and easier? Yeah. Again, I mean. Look at the time that stuff like that happens, you know, with Alec or with with Burton, right? There's there's some aw shucks moments. Well, how could they be going through it? But then people forget about that quickly, and you just got <laughs> yeah, you got no other choice. Um, so for us, I mean, again, it's it's you know trying to get your team to withstand those hurdles, and um, you know, for us, we we were going to rely a lot on Burton uh, these next two years to to be a. 15 to 17 point per game score and then you know we lost that um, and we had to find adjustments and I think right now we're in a position where we've got a lot of depth um, at positions and got guys that can come in and 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 step into roles and we're excited about it final question final player that we haven't really touched on at all Ryan Fizikas yeah the guy has been uh, in northwest Indiana for a long time he went out to Providence to come back he sat out a year he's I see him in the gym. The guy looks like he's in great shape. What What do you expect from Ryan this year? Is he a, Is he a you know fifteen point guy, twelve point guy, ten point guy? Let's hope so. Yeah. You know, uh, Ryan can score the ball, um, and he can change change the scoreboard pretty quick. I mean, he can hit shots at a high rate, and and he's got a lot of size, so he can get a shot off. You know, we're, we're really excited about him. You know, Ryan um, obviously has a, a big reputation in the area. Um, you know, went to Providence, started as a freshman, you know, alongside Chris Dunn, who's now the starting point guard of the Chicago Bulls. So he has a lot of great experience, um, and he's excited to be at Valpo. And, um, you know, we expect big things from him. Very good. Matt Lodick, Valpar- Valparaiso, Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. Thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Always thrilled to have Valparaiso coach Matt Lodick on the program. Bakari Evelyn, Marcus Golder, that was great. Earlier, Mary Evans, Meredith Hamlet, and Grace Hales. Thrilled to be able to go to Missouri Valley Conference Media Day, drive five hours, and interview a bunch of people that I live in the same town as. But it was still, it's a great time. It's great to see everybody else. Some takeaways from the Matt Lodick interview. Um, you know, it. some of the questions we asked, you know, what what games are you excited about? What, what X factor do you want to see? These are all things that, you know, you listening back to the interview, I'm thinking to myself, what, what was I trying to accomplish with that question? But it was nine o'clock in the morning and that's what we got. So, uh, but one of the things we touched on is scheduling. And I, I just, I know that in the last podcast, I was probably a bit critical of the fan base a little bit for some of the reactions I was seeing on social media to the schedule. And I don't want to quite 
you know, apologize, so to speak, for the criticalness that I displayed toward some of the fan base, nor do I necessarily want to double down on what I was saying, but maybe something in the middle. I do understand that it is frustrating for Valpo fans to not get a top-level slate of games at the arc. I think that there's nine really good games in the conference that are better than any nine-conference game that Valpo's ever had before, Horizon League, MidCon, anything like that, so that's great. Getting quality home games is hard when you're at a place like Valpo. Valpo is good enough to beat you year in and year out. Good enough to beat you, but not a big enough program that beating them is going to do much for you. Like Purdue, Purdue playing. Valpo, and maybe not, maybe Valpo can't beat Purdue. Valpo is 2 and 14 all time against Purdue, or 2 and 15. Uh, One of those wins happened in 1965. Another one actually doesn't even really kind of count because Purdue cheated in the game. So they used an ineligible player. I guess cheated might be a strong word, but whatever. Valpo has beat some Power 5 teams, but it does, when, when Oregon beats Valpo, is that a big deal? But when Valpo beats Oregon State, okay, whatever. It's hard to get these games, hard to get teams to come into the arc where Valpo has a good home court advantage. It's difficult. It would be one thing if Valpo didn't try to get these games, but they try year in and year out to get quality opponents to come in. And most of the time, these opposing coaches or ADs or whomever take the call out of respect for Valpo and say, what good is playing you guys going to do for us? What are we going to get out of it? So what do you want Valpo to do? Do you want Valpo? I'm, I'm asking this to the fans. Do you want Valpo then to to pay? Do, you, do they need to buy teams to come in? I think even if you paid, you know, a million dollars to Texas A&M, is, is Texas A&M going to come to the ARC? I don't know if they are. Because they don't need the money. They get the money in other places, right? And if Valpo were to dish out $500,000 to a program for them to come to the ARC, how much would they have to raise ticket prices to do that? How much would that? I, I just, I don't know what the law of diminishing returns is here, the point of diminishing returns, anything like that. All I know is scheduling is very difficult. And we could talk about this all day long. And Matt Loddick brings up those points. Look, they're trying, but they put together the schedule that they think is best for them to be able to go out there, win enough games, and be in the at-large consideration. Is Valpo going to be in consideration for an at-large berth this year? I don't think there's a prognosticator on the planet right now who tells you that Valpo could be an at-large program. But they're building their program to sustain success that can get them to that point. And we'll see. I don't think that Loyola was an at-large team last year. Illinois State wasn't two years ago. Valpo wasn't a couple years back when they had a a good run. They beat Oregon State and and all of that. Anyways, I'm dancing around a lot of different points. I didn't even really make notes on this segment. All is it to say is that Loddick had good points about scheduling, and I'm going to touch on those now with Doug Elgin, the Missouri Valley Conference Commissioner. I had a great time at Valley Media Day. I'm looking forward to basketball really getting in full swing here. A couple other things I want to do podcast-wise before we get into the start of the season. There's still some questions as to how things are going to operate going forward, but uh, looking forward to it, and uh, and it's going to be fun. So we're going to wrap up with uh, Doug Elgin, and then, uh, and then we'll be done for Missouri Valley Conference Media Day from the Missouri Athletic Club. It's been fantastic. Thank you all for joining. And I'll see you guys on the flip side. Final interview here at Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. We've got the man for his place and time, the commish, 
Doug Elgin, uh, thanks for joining. How are you doing today? Thank you, Paul. Very well. I think we had a tremendous turnout here. Appreciate you coming down for this. I know it's a long drive for you. And uh, I think we'll get feedback from our student athletes and coaches, but it was a home run day. Having having it at the Missouri Athletic Club and and uh, and having it set up the way it was today is, it was masterful for our media relations people. It's been fantastic. It's, it's early. It's September 19th. I'm not really thinking about basketball right now. I, I, I still, I've got a suntan. I was at the Packer game the other day. I got some, I'm not thinking about squeaking shoes and bouncing basketballs, but, but college basketball is a 24-7, 365 thing now. And, and there is no midnight madness or anything. We're, we're, we're here for the 18-19 season. How excited, I guess, are you to be standing on the doorstep of what looks to be a really wide open, really fun season? I'm well stated. I think that's what it is. And, you know, Loyola kind of opened the door for teams to, to imagine that they can achieve something similar to what Loyola achieved last year and came at a perfect time with Wichita State leaving our league and everybody sort of piled dirt on the grave to, to say that our, our, our Missouri Valley basketball was dead and that we, we couldn't rise again. And Lo and behold, we have a team in the Final Four, and a magnificent run it was. I, I asked this question of Brian Wardle earlier today, and whether or not it ends up on the podcast. I may edit it out because I think I was terrible at asking the question, so I'm going to try it again. I'm a, I was a Valley outsider last year, having not really known much about Wichita State because you know, I covered the Horizon League and all of that. Wichita State felt like a big major program that was in a mid-major league, um, albeit a very good mid-major league. I, I would say Gonzaga feels this way. Um, and so it didn't surprise me when I would see Wichita State make runs. Yeah, Loyola surprised, I mean, maybe not me, because I think mid-major basketball is just as good, but like Loyola feels like one of the guys. Wichita mm -hmm. State felt different. And that's not disparaging against Wichita no, no, State not... or against the rest of the teams, but I feel like when Wichita did it, it was like, yeah, I mean, if, if you're that budget, yeah, sure. But when Loyola does it, why can't Bradley? Why can't Illinois yeah. State? Why can't Valpo? Is great, that the way to look at it? Four great questions. Why can't X, Y, and Z and, and A get into that same mix? And, and that's an interesting perspective on Wichita State. They, they did become a monster. Yeah, and, and, and again, I started paying attention to them when they were a monster. Yeah, you know, as, yeah. as someone who didn't really cover the league, I didn't see them grow into that. I'm sure there will be people who will maybe a year or two from now will look at Loyola and say, well, they've always been a monster. Yeah. And, and again, not seeing the infancy to get to that point. I'm going to turn it around, Paul, if I may, on your podcast. I'm going to ask you a question, trivia question, and just shoot from the hip on this one. In the last 30 years that Wichita State was in the Missouri Valley Conference, how many Missouri Valley State Farm MVC tournaments did they win? Yes, yeah, I, I, I'd, yes. I'd say five. Two. Okay, so I and, again, yeah, they're a monster in this, uh, yeah, like, uh, recent you know, history. Yeah, the, and, yeah. And yet, you know, when you look at it in that, through that lens of what they did in postseason, that wasn't dominance. And, yeah. you know, who knows? You know, the, the cycle can turn on them, and they're in a league now where they've got to certainly keep up with the big boys in the, in the American with UConn and Cincinnati and Memphis and Houston. But, you know, we've turned the page. We really have turned the page, and I don't think people believed us last year when we said that. You know, one of my favorite moments of the entire year, and and I documented this, I, I traveled to all these different places. One of my favorite moments of the year was when I think it was Mitch Holtis got up at the coaches' luncheon yeah. the day the tournament started, and he gave the We Are Good speech. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was 
I got goosebumps thinking about it. This idea of they, they said we'd be this, we're fine. They said we'd be that, we're fine. Yeah. Was last year satisfying? And that was even before. That was before the Final Four run. Was last year satisfying for you? Maybe even even before Loyola, um, you know, did what they did. I'm 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 hard to please, and and I don't mean this in a critical way, but the fact that we only had one team in the NCAA tournament and none in the NIT was troubling, and yet. What Loyola did was probably, you know, I've been involved in college basketball since 1977. Uh, that's what, 40 years and plus. And, um, and I don't, that, that is probably the most memorable, meaningful run that any team made. And I was with Virginia when they went in 81 to the Final Four. Wow. I was the SID there. Uh, Wichita State went in 2013. This had a different feel. And I don't think anybody saw it coming. I don't think people gave them any credit. I don't think they would have, I, I don't know that they would have been seriously considered or selected if, if Illinois State had won the final and they had would have had to go at large. I don't know if that would have happened. But um, I do think that what we have in our league now is we have 10 institutions that are committed to men's and women's basketball. You know, last year Valpo got punched in the mouth. They, they came into a league um, that was was probably better, a higher competitive level than the Horizon League had been the year before. Um, they realize that they need to step it up in some ways. There, there's talk of improving the arena. That's going to happen. That's a, that, I'll tell you what sold us on coming to Valpo and, and making an invite to come into our league to replace Wichita State. It was when Mark LaBarber said, we're not interested in just getting into the NCAA tournament. We're interested in getting into the NCAA tournament and winning games. And you look at their history over the last 15 years, they've got a better postseason history than any of our teams that are currently in our league. They yeah. were in, what, maybe five of the last 12 NCAA tournaments. And they were in a dominant position in the Horizon League, and you got to give them credit. They wanted more. They wanted to get to another level, which we hope that that's what we've presented to them. And we know they're going to come around. We know they're going to be competitive. You know, Matt Loddick and his staff have done a great job. Um, we know that that's going to be a, a program on the rise. I, I, I think we talked last year at the tournament, um, you know, this idea of was there buyer's remorse or anything, and, and everyone laughed at, you know, th we laugh at the idea of that. But, I mean, you see Valpo as taking good steps, positive steps forward. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Mark Heckler is a president that I have a, an, a mountain of respect for and what he's done there. And, and you go to the campus, beautiful campus, beautiful campus, great tradition and history. Um, and I, I probably said this too many times, I'm not bragging on anything, but I was there in 1998 and I was sitting right next to the Valpo bench when Bryce Drew hit the shot that everyone remembers. It's interesting, going back to the NCAA tournament for a second, you know, the, those iconic moments stand out. A 16 beat a 1 this past yeah, tournament, wow. and the story we remember is not that. It's Loyola. And yeah. and so talking about, you know, the iconic moments that people remember, at, was there any moment during that run that you pinched yourself and, and said, what's what's happening here? Yeah, every one of the four. <laughs> and, you know, the way they those games started, Miami was dominant early, had a lead. Um, Tennessee blew out to a 20-8 to eight lead or something like that. I thought the best team that, that Loyola played in the postseason was probably Nevada. And they were, they were just being abused early in that game. And yet, you know, that was sort of like an old Boston Celtics team. They, were, they played together well. They were intelligent. 
they shared the ball. Nobody cared who was the hero. Just, just really a remarkable run that really, you know, was. I think you put Butler next to that. And yeah. In terms of the Cinderella stories of all time, those two I think were right there. I just saw, I think, Blue Ribbon came out with their top 25 for this season. And four of the teams, I think, that Loyola beat in the tournament are in the, you know, Michigan, Nevada, Kansas State, and Tennessee are all in the top 25, preseason top 25. These teams are already earmarked for at-large bids. You know, they got to go, things really got to go south for them not to make it back. Things have to work out almost perfectly for Loyola is that is this just the nature of a, a unstacked deck I guess I mean the fact no. that they beat all these four teams these teams are anointed as top 25 teams and yeah. Loyola despite returning the player of the year and then what three or four or five other contributors are nowhere to be found on any of these lists well when you consider that a team made the tournament last year as an at-large it won two games in February I think that that kind of shows you where it is now I'll say this too Oklahoma had a great basketball team and they played in probably the best conference top to bottom in the country but at some point it's got to be more about achievement in my mind than potential and when you look at what Loyola what they um, achieved during the season they won a a league that was ranked eighth by four games they beat Florida on the road and the very few number of opportunities they had to play up and to play and to win a game they, they got killed at Boise. They had injuries. They got killed at Milwaukee. Um, but I think if you look at the data and you look at the buzz that wasn't there for Loyola until our tournament, I'm not sure they would have made it as no. an at-large. No. And that's why the only protection we have in our league, and this is something that people understand and it's difficult to, to get there, we have to schedule better. We have to get into the much better multi-team events, uh, the ones that are played at a neutral site where you have a chance to play power five teams and good, good quality basketball teams in every round. That's where we have to get and we have to have a commitment from the top, from our presidents to fund our programs. And I know they're they're doing what they can. And look at our facilities around the league. Valpo is in a position now where they're gonna upgrade their facility. We know that's coming. And I think what we are seeing is a league that continues to prove that it can play at any level the uh, valley uh mountain west challenge is going is expired after this year next year when we're away from that is the year that it looks like a lot of these power fives or however many power conferences there are are going to move to this 20 game scheduling it it feels like an ominous cloud is kind of hovering over this idea of how do how do teams build themselves for at large? I guess from your position and and the staff you have around you, what what are you saying to the coaches and to the ads and to the presidents and all of that? Uh, if we don't schedule better, we're surrendering. That's one of the things that is a theme. Uh, and believe me, we're working every day on trying to get better non-conference opportunities, and we're going to. We're, we're trying to do things with the Atlantic 10 and the West Coast Conference and the Mountain West. They're going to continue, I think, to play our teams uh, in Conference USA. And what people under the line of conferences and teams that are below the top seven or eight conferences understand is our better teams have to play one another. We've got to play the, the Florida Gulf Coasts and uh, the Northern Kentuckys. And, you know, we've got to play uh, – 
teams in the Atlantic 10 and in the Mountain West. The Mountain West needs games with our with our league. That's helped them get to a point where they last year had a multiple, multiple bid. San Diego State won the league and, and Nevada got in. So everybody below that seven or eight line and uh, conference rank, they understand that they have to align themselves and play one another more. Certainly the best teams in their league need to play one another. Um, Matt Loddick said earlier this year when we talked to him about the George Washington series that they just started that we have to we have to play teams that we might lose to and not be afraid of that challenge and and I think we're seeing that a little bit um, you know just wrapping up here a little bit just looking at this upcoming season um, just as you as you stand here today just what's what's the excitement level in terms of um, you know you, you how do you, how do you build off of what you saw last year um, I think you know, we, we can't expect a Final Four team every year. We'd like to be in that position. But we, what, we, what we know is happening is we have um, programs that are committed financially and, and in terms of their, their hirings. Uh, you look at the new head coaches coming into the league, it's amazing what's, what's happened in the, last, in the last four years, including Matt taking over at Valpo. Um, I, I, think, I think we need to see a deeper deep strength at the top needs to deepen. And I think we're, we're going to see that. And Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois, is in a position where they'll probably have their best team in 10 or 12 years this year. Um, they have a senior-laden team. Uh, we're going to see, I think, more competitive balance in our league than we've had in recent years. Very good, Missouri Valley Conference Commissioner Doug Elgin. Thank you very much. It's been great from Missouri Valley Conference Media Day. Thank you. Thank you, Paul.